Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Captain Hunter's Podcast, the podcast that is dedicated towards bridging the divide between the police and the communities that they serve. I want to thank you once again for taking this ride with me and with us as we look to do that. And in today's episode, what we're going to discuss is uh, both the community and the police becoming stronger and better, and that is through health and through nutrition and all that. So many of you may realize, or maybe you don't know, uh, that two years ago, right, I'm recording this in July 2020, two years ago, almost to the date now that I record this introduction, uh, I had a, a triple bypass. And so uh, after that triple bypass, you know, they put you on these DAST diets, the DAST diet, I forget the acronym right now. We'll go over it in, in the interview. I think it stands for dietary approaches to stopping heart disease or something like uh, stopping hypertension or something like that. And so, and also my doctor talked to me about the Mediterranean diet, you know, which contains a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, healthy, supposedly healthy, uh, animal uh, 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 flesh, you know, salmon and and, and uh, chicken and, and stuff like that. So after doing that for quite some time, you know, I did it for you know probably a little bit more than a year and a half after my after my uh, event there, and I, I did not feel right. I tried to get back to working out. I tried to get back to uh, running, and I just was not in the right frame of mind. Uh, and also the, the, physically, I just didn't feel right when I tried to slowly build up to it. I did a little bit more research uh, on my own and uh, just figured out and heard other people were kicking medications. People who had heart disease had reversed it. People who had uh, diabetes had re reversed it. People who had pre-diabetic conditions had reversed it. Um, and so I, I really thought that this was going to be the way to go for me. And so I, you know, the, w the way to do it was through whole food plant-based diets. And that's what exactly I, I did, right? So adopted that vegan whole food plant-based diet. So it's not about what I don't eat as far as, uh, well, it's not, it's not about what I do eat, right? I have to make sure that I don't eat certain things. I guess I could say both ways, what I do and don't eat, right? Uh, so I kicked a lot of the oh, cereals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of the supposedly healthy granola bars and all that kicked all that stuff. And now if I want a snack, I eat, you know, some fruit. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into this a little bit. I have Miss Susan Levin for us today. And I want to read Miss Levin's uh, bio. Miss Susan Levin, uh, MS, is the Director of Nutrition Education for the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, a Washington, D.C.-based nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting preventative medicine especially better nutrition and higher standards in research. She conducts uh, clinical research and publishes dietary reviews about the connection between diet and health. She co-authored a paper uh, co uh, from the uh, Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics about vegetarian and vegan diets, which was published in the Journal of Ac Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics in 2016. She has her uh, master's degree in science from Bastyr University in Seattle, and also has a bachelor's degree in journalism and mass communication from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So uh, this is the own this is the crusade that I'm on. I, I'm uh, been doing this for quite some time now. Uh, I, I once again I, I read about uh, people reversing heart disease, reversing diabetes, you know all this type of crazy stuff that were going on. Uh, we know that the United States and Western diets promote uh, diabetes, they promote cancers, prostate, prostate cancer is especially high among black men, uh, breast cancer among women. Uh, and so all these can be linked to 
dietary practices, right? So this is one of the reasons that I, that I went on this crusade and I wanted to get off of the medications that I'm on. Still working towards it. I've only been on it in this diet for th about three months now. It's, I, I started in April. It's, uh, it's July as, as, as I'm recording this. So I'm still kind of my infancy stage. I'm enjoying and exploring new diets uh, or at least new recipes and all that kind of stuff. So, so uh, I wanted to kick the meat and uh, this is, uh, you know, and just lower my cholesterol and lower my, my fats and triglycerides and all this kind of stuff. So, so uh, this diet is certainly helping. And, uh, you know, I'm not exactly where I want to be as far as my blood pressure. It's, it's still better than it was. And my cholesterol is still decent, uh, but I want to get it even lower. And hopefully through time and uh, in, in, in proper management, these numbers will come down as well. So uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the episode. Uh, so please make sure that you rate, subscribe and share these episodes, please tell someone about this, particularly these episodes that we got coming up. I have a number of these episodes coming up with some highly good, uh, highly trained and really good speakers uh, pushing for the whole food plant based diets. Um, so make sure that you rate them, subscribe to them and share them. Right. Somebody else needs to hear this. Somebody else needs to kick the meat, adopt the vegan lifestyle um, so they can get off the medications that they're on. And even if you're not that, at that point yet. Consider doing that today before it's too late, right? Before you have an event like I had at 45 years old where you're being rushed in and strapped down and having your, your chest. I don't know if you guys can see that. If you're having your chest cut open, right? Not a fun experience. Not a fun experience at all. So, you know, do something before it's too late. Please consider supporting the podcast. PayPal, Cash App, and Venmo. Captain Hunter's Podcast on Patreon page. Make sure you go to my YouTube page. Captain Hunter's Podcast on YouTube. Subscribe to it, like it, share it, and also my Facebook page, Captain Hunter's Podcast on Facebook. Without further ado, here's the interview, Miss Susan Levin. Found a vegan diet in 1995 and just really changed my health and wanted to tell other people about the health benefits of eating a vegan diet, but nobody wanted to listen to me. So I was like, oh, I'm going to school. So six years later, I had um, I got a master's in nutrition and my dietetic internship under, under my belt and started practicing. That was out in Seattle, actually, where I ended up going to graduate school, um, spent some time in China and then moved back to the States um, and found this amazing job in Washington, D.C. at a nonprofit that promotes plant based eating uh, from a healthcare perspective. So with doctors, dietitians and nurses working together to get that message, that health message out. Okay. So that's kind of my career in a nutshell. Um, and it's been pretty much, I've been at PCRM, which is what I call it for short, for um, gosh, 13 years, 14 years, 14 years. Okay. So what brought you on this journey towards plant-based foods? Well, I, you know, guilt. I felt terrible about, <laughs> right? I felt terrible about um, animal agricultural agriculture practices. Uh, so I stopped eating meat. And then a, a very wise, I worked at a bagel joint in Chapel Hill. And one of the bagel bakers was like, you know, if you don't want to eat meat because you think that's cruel, you should see what they do at egg farms and dairy farms. I'm like, no, I don't want to, you know. Ignorance is bliss. So, but I finally sort of opened up my mind to looking into that. And that's when I was just like, I'm done. I'm done eating animals. It's 
horrific for so many reasons with no anticipation or expectation to have such healthy outcomes from that. And that by that, I mean my whole life, I grew up in the South, had a terrible diet, um, struggled quote unquote with weight, like any, I guess, uh, American, especially female person does where you always feel like you're, you're on a diet, you're never healthy enough. And I wasn't, I wasn't eating well at all. I was eating, um, you know, mac and cheese and uh, pork chops. And if it was green, it was killed with oils and with fat. So, um, so having that diet change just helped with weight regulation. I always wanted to run, but I was terrible at it until I <laughs> gave up dairy. And then I was like, suddenly I could run. Oh, okay. Um, okay. My mood was better. And I just kind of got obsessed with the nutrition of it. Read a lot and wanted to talk about it with other people. I'm like, this could really change your life. And at, at the time when I really got into it, I was in New York City working for a fashion designer of all things. And would tell people, everyone in New York is on antacids or antidepressants. Like you really should try something with your diet. Cause I think that, that could make a big difference. But people are like, who are you? Why are you talking? To <laughs> so, you know, and that's what really kicked me into, all right, I guess I got to get this, um, this dietitian certificate so that people will believe me. Is it a, is it a certificate? I'm not sure. Is it, or is it, or a degree? <laughs> That's a good question. You you have to have a degree. You have to uh, in order to qualify to go through the program that gets you. Uh, um, I guess it's a certification, but then you get licensed depending okay. on what state you live in. So it's a whole rigmarole of um, school plus internship. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I was actually thinking about lo- uh, looking into that to become a. Uh, um, a dietitian or nutritionist, or I'm not even sure what the differences are. Or what the words so, are. It depends, yeah. you know, it depends on your state. The reason why I, being a dietitian is sort of running, it's just going all in. And it's more about, it's just legal protection. Because um, certain states are very conservative and they won't let you even talk about dietary, you know, making dietary changes with someone unless you are a dietitian. And that's the majority of states. So, not knowing where I was going to live at the time I was in Seattle. Um, I was like, I just have to, I just have to go for the, go for all of it. Even if I don't necessarily believe maybe in some of the, um, the practice, you know, I haven't, I, I'm very evident. I'm very evidence-based. I don't really buy into the whole USDA's dietary recommendations. And um, so I kind of had to, I had to bite my tongue a lot, but turn the other way <laughs> just to get that, to get that, um, to get that certificate and license eventually. So, but, but I kind of, you know, I, I kind of recommend it because now I can, I can do what I want sort of. Okay. So there's, there's a, so much that I want to talk to you about and ask you about. So I am going to, uh, bore my audience a little bit because I'm going to talk about me for a little bit. No, yeah, <laughs> so, please. so, uh, I just started my, um, uh, whole food plant-based diet journey it's been about two weeks so i'm kind of a newbie at this oh yeah wow yeah um so um and the reason that i uh got on my journey is because i had a triple bypass about two years ago um so uh and then once i had that uh they put me on the dash diet and uh i just i even when i was in the hospital going through this they're bringing me these this chicken and they're asking me if i want 
uh, you know, tuna with mayonnaise for, for, for lunch. And I'm like, isn't that the reason I'm here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so, um, and then they're telling me, and then, you know, after that, I, I go back to the doctor and he's telling me, okay, you go on a Mediterranean diet. It's you know similar to the dash diet. You can eat this in moderation. And I ask him, what's moderation? What's, what's red meat in moderation? Well, it's, it's once in a while. Yeah. Okay. That's another sentiment. What, 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 what does that mean? Yeah. So, um, I, I couldn't get any answers. They're telling me to eat eggs and, I, I just kind of wasn't buying it. And I'm very surprised it took me, you know, this long after my triple bypass to really kind of get on this journey. I had another a gentleman in the podcast. We were talking about police stuff, obviously. And at the end of the podcast, he starts telling me about um, that he's going to go on a whole food plant-based diet. And I'm thinking, you know, what is that? And he starts saying, because he's on a medication, he's in his late 40s, early 50s. He's on the same medications that his mother was on. And she was going through some type of operation. I think she was actually uh, diabetic and about to get a leg cut off or something along those lines. Yeah. So he's on the same same pathway as, as her. So that kind of got me sparked in thinking. Um, and then my daughter, uh, when she was in middle school, I think they went to a farm or something like that. So she can definitely identify with uh, what, what happens um, uh, to, to animals and all that kind of stuff. And when she was about 14 or 15 or so, she went on she became a vegetarian or she, she called the pescatarian, but she, mm -hmm. but she didn't, she stopped eating, uh, you know, meat and red meat. She was my hero for a long time. Um, and I said, I was going to do it with her. I never did. And then of course, uh, and of course this happens to me. So that's what brought me on my journey, um, towards, towards whole food plant-based diets. And what really got me is the fact that people have been reversing heart disease. I, I want to know if you can, talk about that because that is obviously that's very big for me i don't know if you can see but this is where they took took my the other side is here took the yeah. took the took the vein out of my arm and cut my Put chest it, open yeah. and all that kind of stuff and yeah. so so if if it can be reversed even if it doesn't even if and, and my mindset is even if it it doesn't uh, even if my, i just stabilize where i am if i can get off medications i'd be happy with that and i've always been an animal lover and um, I would not, I would not go back to eating meat because it's just so horrifying um, what happens to animals. So if you can just kind of just break down the whole reversal of chronic diseases and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So specifically with, I'm just going to kind of go in order from what I heard. I think it's interesting that well-intentioned uh, clinicians in your situation that recommended the DASH diet, that's the dietary approach to stop hypertension, that diet was actually designed with the observation that people who don't eat meat have lower blood pressure just in general. They didn't go that far when they laid out the DASH protocol, as you know. Um, it allows some things in moderation, but, but just it's based on the observation that not eating meat keeps your blood pressure down. So I think, you know, the DASH has good intentions, it came from a good place. Um, I do agree with you, I think telling people to eat a little bit of this and moderate that is crazy. Like it doesn't work, it's um, disease in moderation and we're just not good at that. So I really like talking about diets in terms of a <clears throat> qualitative shift and not a quantitative shift. Meaning, let's talk about the quality of the diet and we don't really have to obsess over portions and calories and um, how many servings of this or that, because because the, the diet itself is what it's meant to be. 
to your point about research behind reversing heart disease, yes. Thankfully, um, in the 80s, Dr. Dean Ornish out in San Francisco at UCSF did um, a study. So even though people, you know, nothing in, in healthcare matters until there's a published study. So this guy did it. He did a um, randomized control trial of people who had heart disease and put them, put one group on a very low fat, um, essentially vegan diet. It did allow for a little bit of non-fat um, dairy, a little bit, but it was a v, essentially a vegan diet, very low in fat. It did have, you know, no smoking, a, a bit of an exercise component, not much, and some stress relief. So some, some meditation or yoga or whatever people would call it in the 80s. Um, and then the other group just got standard care. They got the care you got like eat a little bit of red meat and eat more chicken and fish. And so what would, what was referred to as standard care <clears throat> and the group that went on the, the kind of the more intense diet had reversal. 82% of them actually had a reversal of that plaque buildup in their arteries um, and went on to have the, the same benefits year after year. It's not like they slipped back into their problem, which is what everybody was like, well, that's great, but nobody's going to stick to that diet. And that's too hard. And in his, I don't know if it was his quote, he's like, you know, what's hard. What's hard is doing what you did is getting your ribs cracked open and a bypass. That's hard. That's intense. This is not that intense. This is just eating healthfully with, with, and, and changing your, changing your lifestyle is not to be, um, not trying to under, understate the effort that goes into changing your mindset, that is a real thing. But but that was the first study, and he, he published that in 1990 um, to show, oh, we could actually reverse this problem we, with diet. The, 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 the problem we started with diet can actually be fixed with diet. So that was great news. Another doctor out of the Cleveland Clinic, Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, has been doing that kind of work for years as well, as long as Dr. Dean Ornish. Um, he doesn't. He didn't publish that kind of landmark study, but he does this work with people who, who are even sicker, like people that the cardiologist said, you don't have much time. Um, there's really nothing else. No more. We can't put you on any more drugs. Um, they go to Dr. Esselstyn and he, 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 he can reverse that plaque too. And he's published case studies on this and he's written a book about uh, reversing heart disease, which I highly recommend for anyone who's interested or has had had a heart attack or a bypass surgery stents. Um, great information, extremely low fat diet. So how empowering is that, right? This is the number one killer of Americans is cardiovascular disease. And half adult, half of us, half of all adults will succumb to that disease. That's those are the statistics we live with right now and or die with. But it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that's what's the most um, frustrating or motivating is that we have this, this disease that most clinicians just temper. <laughs> they sort of manage with right. surgeries and drugs, but they don't talk about how to fix it when, you, when they know you can. And whatever their own personal issue is, like, well, that's too hard. My patients will never do that. I don't think that's up to a physician to decide. I don't think they have the right to decide what a patient will or will not do. They have to convey what they know to be the best medication, quote unquote. It just so happens that the best medication is diet and changing your diet. 
I can remember being in the hospital and the doctor said uh, a couple of things to me that really kind of resonated with me. Um, uh, you know, and I'm asking him, is this the best method? Because, you know, uh, the way it went for me was I, I was having chest pain. I was I was doing walking to my in my uh, neighborhood. Now just sitting here watching TV or anything like that, there was no issues, no problems. It was only when I exerted myself when I started going up steps or when I was walking through my neighborhood, and I wanted to start running again and um, start going up hills. And I would do the hills like three or four times in a row, and then I was like, okay, I'm just really out of shape. Next next day I would do it. I, I could only do it like two times. I'm like, okay, maybe I just need a break. And then finally I almost I was like this is crazy. I'm almost going to pass out the first time I did it. So I go to the hospital and well, I actually called out the, my cardiologist because I had high blood pressure. So therefore I had a cardiologist. Uh, so they come in and do a stress test on me and all that kind of stuff. So we get the results of the stress test. And that day he's like, okay, we're going to send you over to the hospital. He starts showing me my, what my heart looks like and the, the, the fusion of where the blood is going and all that kind of stuff. It's like, uh, this is not good. You're not, you're, when you're under stress, you're not getting that much blood flow to the heart. So he's thinking he's just going to put a stent in me. So we get over to the hospital and they put that thing in your right arm and the camera and they showed me my, 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 uh, what my heart looks like. He's like, you know what? I thought we were going to be able to just fix this with stents, but you're not going anywhere. And we are going straight upstairs to <laughs> the ICU. Wow. I'm like, wait a minute, time out. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking yeah. about? You know, so they start, he shows me three different uh, 90% blockages in my heart. I'm like, how is this? I was, I thought it was in fairly decent shape. I mean, not the best shape, uh, but I thought it was in fairly decent shape. Um, so I, I start talking to, no, that's the, that's the cardiologist who's doing that. So they bring in the, the thoracic surgeon or whatever they're called. Yeah. I think it's the, the surgeon who's going to do the surgery. And he starts telling me, I'm like, listen, is this the best way? Is, uh, why can't we just fix this with, you know, with drugs or whatever? He's like, you know, billions of dollars are, are studied, are, are, are spent studying this type of thing and how to get the plaque out of people's hearts. And we just don't do it yet. We just don't have that, that answer yet. So here's a surgeon who I'm assuming has all the information telling me that it's not possible. And I, I kind of didn't buy it at the time, but listen, I, am I going to take that chance? And you're, I'm sitting in the ICU with all kind of tubes and monitors hooked up to me. So, you know, I went through the procedure, obviously. Um, so I, so my, I guess my question is, is how come more doctors don't know about that study? Are they ignoring it? Um, the, uh, the study, the book, what, what's up with this? How come a doctor, the cardiologist and the thoracic surgeon who's, who cut me open is saying, there's no way to reverse this. The plaque is in your heart, is in your uh, arteries to stay, and it's never going anywhere. I think there's a couple of things. I think that, I mean, well, I know there's, there's no real nutrition education in medical school. That's A, and there's no emphasis put on nutrition other than if, if there are any hours given to a physician about nutrition, it's archaic. It's, <laughs> hey, you need vitamin C to prevent scurvy. Um, it's like, Okay, where are the pirates? You know, it's like, <laughs> that's trivia at this point. It's not really relevant to what is getting Americans or any Westerner for that matter. So um, that's A, there's no education, there's no emphasis. And when we talk to people in medical schools who are even interested in this stuff, it's like, well, we don't even have time. None of this is on our boards. So if it's not on the boards, um, there's no place for it in the school. So it's, it's kind of up to them once they're out of school to, at this point. Uh, well, I'd love to see that change, but it's up to them to kind of seek out this type of information, 
Um, and when do they have time to do that? I don't know. But I also think that, and some do, some people stumble upon this oftentimes, maybe, maybe they're not very empathetic people, but they are, they, you, people tend to be more sympathetic if it happens to them and they find this information to help themselves or for a family member. Um, and, and, and then they really embrace it. And then they can't believe how their medical practice suddenly changes because they're actually healing people. Mm-hmm. And it feels good to heal people and not just patch them up and put them through the revolving door of, you know, we'll see you again in a year when you inevitably have your next heart attack. And, oh. <laughs> um, so, so I think it, 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 it's a, it's a, it's almost just um, math. Like the, there, there's no time. They don't see the time and, or they have this personal bias against diet because they themselves would never change their diet or understand what a plant-based diet can do for them. So they, they, they put that on their patient too. Like, well, you're not going to understand it because I don't understand it. And I think that's where we get in trouble because I do think patients who had a heart attack will completely listen and understand and will try anything or people who have had diabetes for years. They don't want to take insulin or be on, on drugs that have horrible side effects. They want to know how they can fix it with something whose side effects are actually really beneficial. Like, you know, people with diabetes also, they don't die of diabetes, they die of heart disease, um, kidney failure. There's other you know, other conditions that are related to diabetes that this diet helps with as well. And I think that's what's so co- cool about eating this way is that it's not just the heart disease diet, it's the diet that will prevent diabetes. It's the diet that protects you the best against cancer. It's the diet that lowers your blood pressure and clears out your arteries. Um, And I won't even get into what it does for the environment and the planet, you know, like bonus, or if you're an athlete, what it does for you as an athlete. And I will want to, I want to say to your point, the fact that you were just getting out and walking and you, you, over the course of of some days realize I can't do this as well. And with three arteries, 90% blocked, you were in good shape, actually. You know, most people would have uh, fallen on the floor. But you can be a marathon runner and look amazing and drop dead um, at mile 13 because your arteries are clogged. What's going on inside your arteries isn't necessarily reflected on the outside of your body. That's fat. It fat in your cells is different than fat, uh, you know, on your body. So, um, you know, I, I, I just think that doctors are have yet to tap into the potential of diet, whether because they're just not exposed to it, they don't want to believe it, they don't have time to think about it, they, they're only lobbied by pharmaceutical industry, they're not lobbied by apples. So <laughs> and until that changes, I really do think the change is going to have to come from grassroots, from you, you know, from the patient who brings this information in, who goes to the cardiologist in a month and says, look at me, I've been eating this way. And they look at your arteries and they look at your blood pressure. Um, they look at your blood sugar and they're just like, Oh, I think a doctor would sooner say that's a miracle than actually give you the credit for changing your lifestyle. It's like, Oh wow, this just doesn't happen. This is a miracle. It's like, really, is it possible that it's just the, what the food I'm eating actually has a, um, effect on my body? Like, of course it does. So you know, until we get there, I do think it's slowly changing. There are more and more, you know, plant-based doctors, dietitians, nurses, certainly people 
So I think that information is getting out there. It's just unfortunate that it's not faster. I mean, we saw this with tobacco. Um, in the People knew that stuff was killing you, but doctors didn't want to talk about it until the 70s and 80s. They'd be sitting out front smoking, right? Because that's what they wanted to do. But it was only kind of the public pressure behind it where eventually um, the doctors caught up with the science, caught up, you know, and then government catches up. You know, everybody kind of catches up decades after all the publications, all the research. And, you know, we this stuff is out there. Plant-based eating is beneficial to heart disease, cancer, diabetes, weight. Um, it's not like we need more studies. We'll do them. But we don't need them. <laughs> no. But it will, t I tell you, it's going to take decades um, before government and uh, doctors start to just speak the truth. So let's talk about, you, you said you had some dissatisfaction with the USDA uh, and their guidelines. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's troubling, like almost no matter the administration, because the USDA is run by, um, you know, a sec the Secretary of Agriculture, um, and who's appointed by the president. And, you, you know, you would think it kind of, and it does, you can kind of tell the difference between an Obama administration Secretary of Agriculture versus a Trump Secretary of Agriculture, but they all support agriculture. Their, their main, the USDA was developed to support and prop up farms. Um, and, and nowadays, a farm isn't, you know, Farmer Joe out there plowing the field. It's huge corporations. There, there are farmers out there, don't get me wrong, but, but it's industry. It's mostly industry who makes money off of agriculture, and that money is mostly in meat, so beef, pork, chicken, eggs, and then dairy farms. That's where all the money is, and they are going to make, you know, sure that the USDA does not say or do anything that will affect their bottom line. And on the other hand, the USDA later was charged with making our dietary guidelines. So you can imagine their own conflict within their own walls. And we see it that you go to one side of the USDA. I'm in Washington, D.C., so I, I can literally do this. You can go to one part of the USDA building where they're making dietary guideline recommendations. Um, and telling people you should eat so much saturated. They'll never say don't eat meat or don't eat cheese. They'll say don't eat so much saturated fat, don't eat so much dietary cholesterol, with animals being the number one sources of both of those things. And then you go down the hall and there's people in the US USDA working with McDonald's, Pizza Hut, Wendy's, trying to figure out how to get more cheese, the number one source of saturated fat in the American diet, on your pizza. Like that is what they do called a checkoff program. I won't get into it. It's a whole other show. But that's, you know, they 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 are conflicted um, mentally. They're literally conflicted. And these are the people that are making dietary recommendations for people. These are the people that dole out um, SNAP benefits or food stamps that, you know, it's like, well, why are you? Oh, it's, it's a mess. So the USDA has been, uh, and they make my plate or I grew, you know, some of us grew up with the four food groups, right, right. my pyramid, right, or the food pyramid, then my pyramid, and now it's my plate. Um, it's gotten better, like at the very least, there's not a meat group, um, but they, they still are, they still just cannot get beyond their original mandate, which is to prop up industry uh, or prop up agriculture. 
it just they trip all over themselves and at the at the end of the day there's no good health advice coming out of there but there's a lot of there's a lot of money <laughs> for sure so you talked about so let's get into some definitions here we kind of just talked about it the whole of food plant-based diet is what we're talking about what we're advocating so what's the difference uh if you can explain to the audience audience the difference between that a vegan diet vegetarian lacto ovarian lacto ovarian and a pescatarian i hope i'm saying those words right yeah yeah you are um so yeah so a vegan a vegan diet just means no animal products, no animal byproducts. So yeah, that's meat and fish and chicken, uh, you know, well, chick, those are meat, but um, it's dairy, eggs, any, and any byproducts therein of those things. A vegetarian doesn't eat meat, but they'll eat eggs and dairy. Um, a semi-vegetarian or lacto-ovo vegetarian just means the same thing as vegetarian. Um, a uh, pescatarian, no meat, but they'll eat fish, dairy, eggs, um, and then omnivore, of course, will eat all of it. So those are kind of the categories. Now, this new category, or you'll hear a lot of people say whole food plant-based or plant-based, and I think that's come out of this, this kind of new sort of modern problem we have as vegan people, people who follow vegan diets. It used to be there really were, you know, it's not like we had um, vegan ice cream and vegan butter and vegan cheese and vegan meat. You know, it just didn't exist. Or, or vegan cakes and cookies and all these other products now that are on the shelves to meet that kind of marketing demand. So we've had to be a little bit more like, all right, well, hold off. I'm not telling you to go off and eat Twizzlers are vegan. Oreos are accidentally vegan. Like there's a lot of stuff out there that's vegan. Um, vegan cream cheese, sure. Vegan icing. But that is not what we're talking about. That's vegan, but that's not whole food plant-based. And what we want to kind of emphasize with whole food plant-based is that you're eating as pure, as whole a diet as possible. So that just ensures that you're staying away from the junk, but getting in as much fiber as possible as possible because fiber is really fiber does everything but your taxes as, <laughs> you know like it just it cleans out your system literally it weighs you down and fills you up so you lose weight it pulls out your excess cholesterol excess toxins excess hormones um it regulates regulates your blood sugar and your energy level it keeps cravings at bay like fiber is just sort of it and if you're not eating fiber, uh, you're really missing out on all the benefits of eating a plant-based or vegan diet. So I think that's where that kind of comes from is to get people away from the junk vegan or all these new meats, right? Like the Impossible Burger, Beyond Meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, is that, is there any of that? I haven't tried any of it. Is, you, you're not recommending any of that stuff? I don't. I mean, I don't. <laughs> what, I like, what I like about those products is that they will get people, I think they're good for the environment. I'll say that. I think they're good for the animals. I'll say that. But I don't necessarily think they're, and they're better. If someone's going to go off and eat a burger at Burger King, a beef burger, and they're like, oh, I'll try the Impossible Burger. That's probably healthier for that guy. But for people who are already eating or trying to eat well, that's not going to help you. It's They're so loaded with saturated fat um, that, no. Like, no, get eat the beans. If you really like fake meat or fake kind of animal products that are 
there are lower fat versions of those things. And I'm not saying those are necessarily any of it, like a fat-free tofu hot dog is not going to do a whole lot for you, but it's probably not going to hurt you in terms of um, putting you at higher risk for the heart disease or uh, diabetes. So we try to steer people away from those higher fat fake foods. Although I totally get, I, I call them transition foods. It's like, yes, let's transition you to more whole foods. And if that means you eat tofu dogs and tofu jelly slices, okay. Because the goal really is to love a bean, like eat beans, eat lentils, eat the things that those products are kind of made from. Right. Um, but if you can, or even tofu, tempeh, things like that. I have not had the tofu or tempeh yet. So I'm, Oh, yeah. well, it's, you know, you, there's a lot of YouTube. <laughs> I have a lot of tricks. Like I think some people try tofu randomly and decide it's disgusting, but I think there's ways where, no, if you go into it thoughtfully, if you really prepare it correctly, it's, it's delicious and it will become part of your regular menu. Okay. Um, I did buy some. I did buy some. It's in my refrigerator right now. I think there's a a tofu lasagna recipe, I, I want to say. Ah, it makes good ricotta cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'm, so I'm gearing up to make that. So I haven't made it yet, but I'm, it's, it's, in, it's, it's on my to-do list as far as. Do it. Do it. <laughs> so I want to talk about um, eggs and dairy. I mean, we talked about the, uh, I do want to talk about the animals for a little bit in the environment, but let's, let's start off with what's wrong with eggs and dairy. My doctor was telling me, uh, you can have, you know, two or three eggs a week. It's not going to hurt you or harm you. And then I read that one egg has enough cholesterol for your entire day. Yeah. So and he's eating me two, telling me eat two or three at, yeah. at a time, not every day, but you know, every other day he's like, oh, every other day, a couple of eggs is not going to, no problem. Yeah. And I'm looking at him like, and this is before I'm, before I'm on this, I'm like, that can't, that can't be right what you're saying, but he's a doctor. <laughs> I know, I know. So that is correct. An average egg has about, has just over 200 milligrams of cholesterol in it. Um, and the recommendation, depending if you, if you, if, if you've had, if you're at risk for heart disease, if you've had heart disease, um, then, or if you're an at-risk population, some people say you don't need, don't eat more than 150 milligrams of cholesterol a day. The USDA says less than 300 milligrams of cholesterol a day. We don't need any for the record. There's no dietary, um, you know, recommendation. So there's, so there's no number other than you don't need any, but certainly don't need any more than this. So having had heart surgery, you don't, most like the American Heart Association would say less than 150 milligrams a day. So yeah, an egg just blows that out of the water. Beyond that, I do think what's interesting about eggs, and they're one of those groups that has a lobby, you know, they have a, um, a program where any egg, for, these are those, I mentioned checkoff programs. Um, I mean, they're complicated beyond my pay grade, but I will say this, a checkoff program is a program with managed by the USDA where anybody, any, in this case, egg farmer, has to put money into a pot that's managed by the USDA. And that pot of money promotes that product. So you, you may have heard the incredible edible egg 
promotions. Right. That is a checkoff ad. It doesn't promote a particular farm or brand. It just promotes the product. That's, that's what that's for. So you give money to these organizations that promote your product managed by the USDA. So another thing they do with their money, they don't just put commercials out and make nice logos like milk does it with got milk uh, or with the mustache logo. That's a checkoff program. Well, the other things they do is they fund studies. So over the past 20 or so years, this whole concept that eggs are not good for you was sort of settled. It was like, yes, Eggs are such a huge source of dietary cholesterol. Dietary cholesterol raises your, your cholesterol inside your body. Um, so don't eat it or don't eat much of it. Now, the egg industry sort of jumped on the fact that no one was researching that idea anymore. It's like settled. We don't need to pump money into that idea. We got it. Eggs are bad for you. So egg jumped in. They started funding, I think, we calculated, we got all the egg studies that have been published over the past several decades, and 90% of them are funded by egg. And then you can do this interesting thing where you can request documents from these agencies because they're government agencies and there's something called freedom of, freedom of information where you're allowed to see the things they document. And one thing they documented, and I couldn't believe how blatantly they did it, is how they're gonna fund all these studies over a timeline until the dietary guidelines do a review and they can show like, that's interesting, over the past 10 or so years, all the studies looking at dietary cholesterol and heart disease show that it's not so bad for you. So we have this body of modern research funded by egg that show, oh, maybe eggs aren't so bad for you. And, I, and that got a lot of press. So um, they're smart. Those egg, you know, they're really smart in the way they fund things and it confuses the public. It confuses doctors clearly to the point where people don't know if eggs are healthy or not. And that's exactly what egg industry wanted you to be completely confused. But here's what we know. Here's what we really know. Once you take industry funding out of it and you look how they do these studies, there's, there's ways to do studies. If you, if you are a person who eats a lot of dietary cholesterol, like most Americans do, eggs, meat, dairy, and cholesterol is only in animal products, by the way. It's not in plant products. You and I make cholesterol. That's what we do. We need cholesterol for our cells, but we make, our livers make way more than we need. So we don't need to add to the problem. We just need to figure out how to get the excess out. And the only way to get it out is fiber. So if I were to eat a person, take a bite out of a person, I'm going to get his cholesterol. And if, same thing if I take a bite out of a cow or drink fluids out of a cow or eat an egg, I'm going to get that animal's cholesterol added to mine. Um, so we know that that's, that's bad for heart disease risk. The cholesterol irritates our arteries. Um, it, it causes bumps basically in our, in our endothelial cell lining, our heart cell lining, and those bumps become plaque and they build up or they, maybe they even snap off and cause a sudden heart attack. So this is how we have heart attacks. This is how heart disease manifests. Um, through things like cholesterol, smoking, and other irritants as well. So the, the science is there, and I don't know why. Um, again, I think doctors like to say what their patients want to hear, kind of sometimes, and, and people want to believe that. You know, I think it was Dr. McDougall, another kind of a plant-based doctor out there uh, in the world, who said people love um, good news about a bad idea. 
right? So butter is back. Eggs are okay. It's like, great. And they don't want to dive into why someone might be saying that. They just believe it. But it's not true. Like eggs are not healthy. They're terribly high in dietary cholesterol. Um, they're high in saturated fat. I mean, think about what an egg is. An egg is the makings of everything that goes into a chicken. Feathers, beaks, claws, organs, eyeballs. So all of, of course it's high in protein. Of course it's high in cholesterol. That thing is a powerhouse. So adding that much to your body is going to be um, troublesome. And yeah, you don't want to be consuming that. You don't need it. Um, even the animal protein itself. So some people might be, oh, I just do egg whites. That's just pure protein. It's like you don't need it. Animal protein is linked to higher disease risk and higher mortality rates as well. Bad for your kidneys, bad, you know. So the idea that, A, we need more of something like protein in some pure form is crazy. If there's one thing in this country we consume too much of other than calories, it's protein. We get about twice as much as we need, and it's not without risk, um, whether it's kind of this conceptual risk that people who consume the most animal protein have higher rates of heart disease and die younger. And um, It's also just plain old bad for, your, like, bad for your kidneys. Protein breaks down into ammonia. Ammonia is toxic. Ammonia has to be filtered by your uh, kidneys and come out in your urine. So, you don't need it. And then dairy is the same way of all the things here's, I mean, dairy is what really gets my goat. Like I can't believe how hard the government pushes us to consume dairy products. Uh, even Canada who's rot with industry um, controversy as well, but even their government and their dietary guidelines recently, a year or two ago had to recognize that their population is so diverse that pushing dairy is actually a problem. Most humans can't digest dairy. Most humans are normal and they are lactose intolerant. Some of us are abnormal and are lactose persistent. By that, I mean, once you've weaned, any mammal who's weaned off of his or her mother's milk is done and we don't need it anymore. We don't need that kind of... Um, macronutrient profile in our diets anymore. We're kind of done exploding with growth like that. Um, and well, I'll get into cancer in a minute, but we don't, we don't have the enzymes to break down milk anymore. And some of us have overcome that, if you will, and become lactose persistent, mostly people from Northern Europe, white people from Northern Europe, the rest of the planet, mostly lactose intolerant. And that's just normal. So this idea that the government makes us feel like we need milk all the time is insane and is keeping a lot of people really, really, really sick. I mean, dairy is associated with a lot of disease risk, especially cancer, because like I said, dairy is something that makes thing, a baby calf who drinks his mother's milk grows very quickly. And the same thing happens on a cancer cell. You throw some milk on a cancer cell, it grows. And it was another doctor uh, Dr. Campbell, who's like, it's like a, it's like fertilizer on weeds. When you put uh, dairy on a cancer cell, it loves it. So we don't need anything growing that fast anymore. We're done. We're done growing. So once you've weaned off of your mother's milk, you're just done. And we forcing it down our throats is making us sick. So I'm 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 glad you're skeptical. 
And it's just our doctors, our dietitians are just, they're not thinking too hard. They're just saying what the government tells them to say. Why would they question it? Why would the government want to hurt us? Um, well, I, you know, and again, there's a lot of, we usually follow the money. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so let's talk about some other, what people, I, I think you called them uh, step-downs or, or intermediary type of diets, the Mediterranean diet, keto mm -hmm. diet, all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff paleo diet and all that. I don't even know what the keto diet is. I don't even know what that is, but the paleo diet and all that kind of stuff. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So the, yeah. Well, what's interesting about the keto diet is it's named after a disease. Being in, <laughs> being in, you know, ketosis is a problem. When I was in school, keto ketosis or ketoacidosis was a problem. Like that's the thing you wanted to avoid happening in your body. That's what people who have diabetes try to avoid because you don't want your your body breaking down its own fat and pro, you know, to feed itself. Like it's not healthy. Um, it's a problem. It, 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 it destroys your organs. It kind of kills you from the, eats you from the inside out when you're in ketosis. And here we have a diet named after that, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to invent a disease, a diet. I'm going to make a million dollars. I'm going to name it after a disease. Like it's insane. But anyway, um, not a good idea because it completely, avoids the healthiest macronutrient, carbohydrate. Like carbohydrate is what fuels, let me start this way. Fiber is a carbohydrate. And any diet that's telling you to avoid fiber is going to eventually kill you because fiber, like I said, that is what keeps you disease free. So you start avoiding fiber and then adding in a bunch of fat and high and animal protein, you're just it's just a recipe for disaster. I'm not saying that you can't do a keto diet to lose weight. Sure, you do a lot of really unhealthy things to lose weight, and we have over the many years that we've been around. We've invented a lot of crazy things and ways to lose weight. Doesn't mean it's good. Um, and I would put keto, I would put paleo, I would put Atkins and all those low carb diets into that category. You want to eat carbs. The thinnest people on this planet eat mostly carbs. They eat grains, they eat beans, they eat fruits, and they eat vegetables. And the problem, I think, with diets like Mediterranean, kind of these well and tiptoeing into vegetarianism, right? Because they really emphasize plants and they kind of get you away from, from meat. And that's good. It's a step in the right direction. But I don't know why we just don't go for the gold and eat a diet where you don't have to think so hard about portions. You just eat what your body likes. And if you do that, you can have as much as you want. And people always say to me, are you telling me, someone with diabetes, that I can have, I can eat bananas and I can eat mangoes and I can eat rice? Yup, I am telling you that, but you have to get all that other stuff out. You have to get all those high fat foods out, those animal products out, and then your body gets clean and your body can handle that, even people with diabetes. But that's what really eventually, like a people like on that Ornish diet, who everyone said, well, they're not going to do that. They did it because suddenly they're not calorie counting. They're not portion controlling. They're just eating the foods their bodies were intended to eat. And if you do that, you don't have to over, overthink this so much. It's like, well, how much of the, how should I measure out my pasta? Should I measure out um, how many apples can I have? I don't care. Have as much of that as you want to. Um, just eat a variety of foods, eat a lot of color. Every color represents a different nutrient. You want to get all those antioxidants in your body. So if you're eating a lot of color, I don't care how much you eat. Try. 
you try to eat too many beans, see what happens. I mean, <laughs> okay. You know, if someone took a, a challenge and ate 17 cups of beans, okay. You know, you're not going to do that again because <laughs> you're going to be a little uncomfortable um, as will everyone around you in quarantine. But do it. I mean, it's mostly fiber. And yeah, fiber is a carbohydrate, but it's also a carbohydrate that doesn't digest. So those calories are coming right back out eventually. You might not be comfortable. But you want to, I think, and I've seen people have the most success on a diet where they can just eat. They don't have, there's no points with this. There's no scales or, or weighing food or portioning or measuring. It's just eating real food. And it, it's, it is, it is actually that simple. Um, it's, I feel like my job needs to be more about um, just coaching the mind because the science is pretty simple. Just, yeah, eat plants. That's kind of the end. <laughs> That's kind of the end of my advice. Um I did the, I did the, um, I was into working out and all that kind of stuff. And I was trying to do that high protein type of thing, low carb type of thing, you know, trying to, I don't know, be the next Arnold Schwarzenegger or whatever I was trying to do. Yeah. And so I really kind of think that that looking back now, I think that that might've contributed to my heart disease because I was eating a lot of protein, right? Sometimes before bed, I'd be really hungry. So I'd like down a can of tuna or something like that, you know, and just kind of, so I don't, I don't know. I'm just kind of guessing and trying to understand how this happened to me. You know, I'm certainly thinking that that could not have helped, you know, the, all the cholesterol and in, in, in animal product that I was kind of shoveling down my throat there. Absolutely. Know? It's, it's, it's the, it's the bombardment of that, but it's also the absence of the, the fiber hmm. because there's only, I mean, heart disease really is things you can do. Things you should be doing and things you shouldn't be doing, sort of a two-way street there. So yeah, you don't want to you don't want to eat all that fat, um, but you also and you you also need a lot of fiber because, like I said, all those toxins and all that excess cholesterol in your body it's not going anywhere. Like those things just circulate, and that's where the damage comes from over and over and overly exposing your arteries to the cholesterol that's floating around in your blood. It's like, well, how do I get that out? How do I get that down? Um, Fiber, it literally locks onto fiber and comes out your toilet. And if you don't have the fiber, round and around and around it goes. Um, Just shredding you from the inside. Uh, And and, and by shredding, I mean just building up scar tissue because it's just bumping. It's bumping your arteries. If I were to scratch my arm, very gently for 10 years, eventually I'm going to have a big scar tissue an inch high and that's happening in your arteries as well. So you have to have that fiber to get it all out and eating, you know, drinking skim milk and fat-free yogurt and grilled chicken breast. Where's the fiber? There was zero grams of fiber in that meal I just described. And I think a lot of people just don't get, you have to have all that fiber in your body. Um, Otherwise, that stuff doesn't go anywhere. And it's true, again, of environmental toxins, medication, um, byproducts of medication, your excess cholesterol, your excess hormones. For So getting your risk for prostate cancer, breast cancer, ovarian cancer. you got to get those hormone-related cancers. They're, those are only coming out when you, when you consume that fiber. So um, can, you elaborate, yeah. can you elaborate on the... On the hormone cancers, uh, um, you know, as obviously I'm a black male, 
And um, I guess that dairy products are really contributing to prostate cancers and things like that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, that, again, is another reason why we got to we really need to encourage the government to stop pushing dairy products because there's a, also a disproportionate risk among people, um, African-American men for prostate cancer. But there's also for female hormone issues as well. But for prostate cancer specifically, because the research is so clear and Harvard has kind of been um, a leader in doing research around prostate cancer. And they're the group that found that milk specifically, fluid milk, but dairy products in general have has really increased the risk of prostate cancer among men. And they, is it the fat in the milk? And they've kind of know because even people who drink skim milk have um, may have even higher risk for prostate cancer. So what is it? Is it the calcium? Maybe it's the calcium. They don't exactly know. Um, probably some kind of synergistic effect with the components of milk. But like I said, you know, and that's what animal protein does. It makes things, and dairy, that's what dairy does. It makes things grow quickly. So when you proliferate cancer cells with dairy, you're really setting yourself up for a lot of risk. And breast cancer, you know, it's similar issues, but prostate cancer, because they have so much research coming out of Harvard about this, they recommend, you know, maybe men shouldn't, shouldn't be even taking calcium in a supplement or, you know, avoid the milk. You don't need it. So why put yourself at higher risk? Now, Dr. Dean Ornish, the heart disease guy, actually did the same trial with men who were at risk for prostate cancer, but he, this time no dairy. So totally vegan diet, low fat, um, obviously no dairy if it's vegan, to see what would happen to their PSA count. And the PSA is kind of the only number, you know, for better or for worse, it's kind of the only number on your chart that a physician can look at to kind of guess your risk for prostate cancer. Um, the prostate-specific antigen is what that stands for. And they found, Dr. Dean Ornish, when they put people on this trial, the people that stuck to the diet, their PSA levels went in the right direction to reduce their risk for prostate cancer. And at, at that point, you don't really have to start talking about surgery or prostate, you know, um, ways to intervene for that particular cancer risk. Um, and it's a very slow growing cancer. So a lot of men who might be in their, when they discover high PSA levels in your 80s, they don't really, eh, you know, it's not even deal with it. But for younger men, this is really important. So I think that avoiding dairy product for its, for cancer that is quite deadly um, is really key. I mean, we're just getting back to the point that we've all been made to feel that we need dairy, right? We have to drink milk. Milk is good for you. That's what my mom said. That's what the, the, the dietary advice from up on high is telling me. It is absolutely one of the biggest lies that I've, to me, that I've come across in me personally in my life, having that being the one of the last things I gave up. Like I said, I gave up meat long before I gave up dairy. Um, but it was the dairy. It was the quitting dairy where I was like, whoa, whoa, everything about me changed. My skin changed, my energy, my lung function for exercise, my weight. I really feel like, and I call it the dairy layer. I feel like there's this layer of mental, respiratory, visceral fat. I think there's just this dairy layer inside and outside of our bodies where it's like, stop it. Just stop drinking this garbage. We don't need it. You don't even need 
alternatives, soy milk, almond milk, all these other milk, they're fine, but they're just, they're what my boss once called entertainment. It's just entertainment. All you need is water. All we need as adults is water. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a risky product. Um, and there's a lot of people interested in making sure you feel like you absolutely need to consume it. And that's ridiculous. It's, it makes us sick. It makes us sick for some, for people who are lactose intolerant. It's, it's immediate, right? You get gas, you get diarrhea or constipation. Um, for other people, maybe it's just, it's asthma or allergies or, but eventually. Yeah, is it linked to allergies? Because I, I had really bad um, um, allergies to pollen and all that kind of stuff. And I noticed as soon as, and I was still drinking milk, but as soon as I switched to skim milk, then I then I noticed that I didn't have the allergies anymore come the springtime. Um, well, I think it's definitely linked to respiratory function. Okay. So anything, the asthma, allergies, um, anything like that, the dairy, if you have an issue with breathing, whatever it may be, Dairy is going to be the, one of the first things you want to get rid of. It's also arthritis. Dairy is one of the big triggers for um, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Um, type 1 diabetes. I mean, that's sort of kind of it's an autoimmune disease, and they speculate that dairy is what can kick it off in children. So that's why they recommend no kid under the age of one have any cow's milk because you, it just rips up the stomach, um, and it can really terrorize your pancreas and cause a type one diabetes. I mean, these are all kind of theories. It's hard to randomize the control trial much of this, but um, acne, uh, most studies show that when people, there's a pretty strong link actually between dairy and acne. With no surprise, cows have a lot of hormones, whether you're injecting them into them unnaturally but we just have more animals have hormones. So you're not going to get away from that. So those hormones, you know, hormones are already going crazy um, when it comes to acne. So you don't want to add to that. So let's convince people who are on the fence uh, before you have a situation like mine uh, or develop some type of cancer where, um, you know, you tried some type of alternative medicine. So let's convince people, what is your best convincing speech that people should immediately go to a plant, whole food plant-based diet. And like you said, I want to stress and emphasize, not just vegan, because, um, mm -hmm. you know, you can eat, uh, you know, lunch should not be Twizzlers, Oreos, and a Coca-Cola, but it should right. be, it should be uh, some beans and some, or some barley or some oats. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so give us your best spiel about that. Okay. I think my, my, my best advice for that is, or I've seen the most success with people who do a little research. Because I think just jumping in, all right, I, I listened to Captain Hunter's show, I'm done. They'll go to their cabinet and then get frustrated because they're not going to know what to do. They're going to fall off the wagon immediately and then just go right back into whatever the old habits were. So get your foundation of education. And that could be books. That could be books like Reversing Heart Disease by Dr. Esselstyn. That can be um, books by Dr. Barnard, like Reversing Diabetes, uh, T. Colin Campbell's The China Study. It could be a documentary, like What the Health, Forks Over Knives. If you're an athlete, The Game Changers is a great new documentary about how diet affects your health. Um, if you are uh, more of a, you could read medical journals and see all these studies that we've talked about. 
who's that guy? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but you could also just take advantage of these all these resources. We have something at PCRM called the 21 Day Vegan Kickstart. It's a free program. It's a free app. It's free online. It comes with videos and cooking lessons and recipes and menus um, to really support you through a three-week journey of getting into this diet. Um, so find those resources out there and do some research. Get your pantry and your refrigerator where it needs to be before you decide you're going to jump into this and then give it three weeks. I tell you, if you do this 100% for three weeks, I seriously doubt you'll go back because of the kind of changes you're going to see in your energy level. Um, if you wait, if you need to lose weight, and I can lose 15 pounds because this is permanent real weight loss, but maybe you lose effortlessly and by being really full, uh, you'll lose weight. And it's, I think it's really surprising to people when they do the research on themselves. What do you have to lose? You're only going to get healthier. But do be prepared, do get educated, do take advantage of all these resources that are out, out there. Mm. Is there a difference between cooked foods and raw foods? I mean, I've been making a lot of soups and things like that. Mm -hmm. So should I just leave it in the raw form or am I fine with the soups? You are fine with the soups. There's no, you know, the evidence behind, uh, although limited, they don't do, there's not a lot of money for studying raw food diets, but this, the research that's been done doesn't show any more benefit with raw than you just see with plant-based. So I think cooking is great because we do see a lot of evidence that things like grains are really healthy for you. So get over the carb phobia, America, like eat your carbs, eat your fiber, eat your grains, eat your beans and your vegetables. Um, potatoes are not the enemy. Pasta is not the enemy. It's what are you doing to these poor things? Don't pour oil all over them. Because we didn't really talk about this, but even plant fats are not good. Well, we talked about it a little bit with those like impossible burgers. And, um, but oils, you want to minimize all that. You want to get your, cat, your fat down pretty low. So eating things in their natural form as much as possible. Um, to see the kind of benefits, whatever your issue is, whatever it is exercise, heart disease, diabetes. Uh, you can't really measure cancer risk, but that's there too. Blood pressure on your blood pressure machine, weight on your scale, and just see how this really changes you and how much better you feel, how much cleaner you feel. Let me do another documentary out there that's kind of new called The Invisible Vegan, made by a local woman here in D.C. Um, that kind of talks more about the experience as a, as a black woman who's gone vegan and not really talked about in her situation anyway, growing up in DC, it was not really part of her culture mm. for wanting to go vegan. And I think that's true of a lot of cultures, whether it's like a Southern culture, maybe police culture, uh, military culture, like to be adopting a healthy diet and trying to overcome some of the obstacles within one's own community um, and judgment that comes from, from changing your diet, it's hard, right? It's just a lot of cultural things going on that people don't understand. Like, I don't understand why, why won't you eat um, sausage or what's wrong with, you know, I know I'm from Alabama, but um, I think that's a really good documentary to check out as well. Definitely. And so uh, are you good for time? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so there's so much I want to ask and talk to you about. That's but my child, my <laughs> five-year-old's out of the apartment. So I have okay. 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 Um, so let's talk about the whole, uh, yeah, culture thing. Um, there's a lot of people who, uh, maybe, uh, you know, particularly in black culture, um, they, they tend to be on a lower end of socioeconomic uh, status. 
so how, how would they go about becoming vegans, right? They're, they may be, or even for older people who are maybe poor, um, mm-hmm. who don't have access to, to grocery stores, uh, they have to take the bus everywhere. Uh, how do you get all these f- fresh fruits and vegetables in your home? How, how, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, well, let me talk about this in a not without the, I think the quarantine issue is kind of a separate issue. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, I, but I will say that historically, being plant-based, vegan, vegetarian, whatever, was what poor people did. This was not the diet of rich people. <laughs> this was the diet of poor people because beans and grains are some of the cheapest foods out there most accessible. I can get a bag of dried beans at 7-Eleven, um, a bag of rice. These are the foods that are kind of the least expensive foods that we have. It's. I think what's happened though is the diet has been um, co-opted by people who just want to make money. And it's like, great, I'm going to make this vegan product. I'm going to charge twice as much as it's worth. Um, and people are going to buy it because it's kind of this trendy way of eating. And they're right, right? Like, look at Whole Foods out there. Love Whole Foods, the market. But it's expensive. and it's expensive. It is expensive. Right? They're, they're <laughs> I was just there the other day. Yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, they're catering to an audience that can afford it, who thinks, I want to eat better. I don't really know how, but I think if I shop there, I'll be eating better just by default, which isn't necessarily true. But you can eat this way by shopping at a bodega. You can eat this way by shopping at um, um, your standard mainstream store. We've even worked at PCRM. We developed a cooking program that was called Healthy Basics. We worked with a food bank in Cleveland um, to figure out how to make recipes and the tools involved in cooking as minimal and as cheap as possible with foods you could even find at a food bank. This is not an expensive diet. It can be. (laughs) It certainly can be because you can really find the places that are going to charge an arm and a leg. But if you really do beans, grains, doesn't need, nothing needs to be fresh. Canned is fine. Frozen is fine. Oh, canned is fine. That's, uh, that's the first I heard it about that. Oh, yeah. A, yeah. Whatever they line the cans with, I've heard people saying you shouldn't eat that. Is. Well, I mean, that's getting into a different area that I think, you know, most. Here's my thing. I think if people, that's extra credit. And okay. when you're talking about like can linings or uh, organic. Okay. Yeah, there's, some, there's a conversation to be had there. But if that's what's deterring you from eating vegetables, you're better off just eating the vegetables. Like don't even... Just eat the vegetables. Um, eat the expl- expletive vegetables <laughs> and, and, and fruits. Because we know the people who do, when they do studies to show how people who eat more fruits and vegetables do better in terms of all these chronic disease risks, they don't ask, was your can lined with um, EPA? They don't, they don't ask, was it frozen? Was it fresh? They just, do you eat fruits and vegetables? Yes, I do this many servings. Okay. You somehow have all this protection. It wasn't organic. It wasn't can canless. It wasn't fresh. It wasn't organic. It wasn't seasonal. It wasn't local. Those are all great things. But if that's the deterrent from someone eating this way, that's bad because we know eating this way, however it comes to you is better. Um, so I think, you know, nowadays a lot of cans do, uh, they've changed whatever they're being lined with. 
there's all, you know, we could talk about pots and pans. We could talk about, there's all sorts of risk out there in the environment for sure. But that's why it's even more important to eat this way because the diet, the food you put in, we can control. And the, the more protective the food, the more they protect you from all these environmental um, damaging components of whatever, the water, the air, your pots, your pans. Um, I think that's all bonus. I really, I, I feel like that's, that's a different level. First, let's get people eating well so that they're, they're kind of set up to, to even be in a position to start thinking about um, what kind of cans or cookware they're using or if their water's filtered or not. It's like, you just, you know, it's like you need water, just drink the water. Don't, you don't sit around waiting for a Brita filter before you start drinking water. Like you need water and the same thing, you know, you need vegetables, you need fruits, you need grains, you need beans. So don't, don't wait around for, um, I don't know, this magical place where there's no environmental <laughs> risk. You just got to eat it. Right. And, and right. all the more because there are so envi many environmental risks. Uh, I was hesitant when I was going to ask you this, but I know that some, that this is a question that everyone is going to ask you and, or ask me or wants to know is, you don't eat meat. Where do you get, do you your, get protein? your protein? <laughs> so can you, can you kill this one more time for us? <laughs> Probably not, but I'll try. So I had mentioned and this is true when when you look when government gathers up all the data about what people are eating um we eat about twice as much protein as we need we get way more protein than than our bodies need to function well and that's not without risk a but b this really is a macronutrient that of all the macronutrients of all the nutrients protein is not the one that's the problem um there is no protein deficiency epidemic in this country, and quite the contrary. Um, if you eat enough calories, you get enough protein. And this is true for people who eat exclusively vegan as well. They're getting way more protein than they need. And I don't know, someone I'm sure has a theory, like what, where did, who was doing all this marketing around protein at some point to make people feel like they're missing it or it's deficient? Like it is the thing that is not deficient in our diet. So grains have protein. Um, beans obviously have protein, vegetables have protein, like the calories in broccoli, 33% of them are protein. So there's no lack of protein in plant foods for sure. And even this concept that you need to like combine foods to get all the amino acids, not true. That that's been debunked as well. Like beans and let's take grains. Grains have all the amino acids. They just have varying amounts of them. So what might be low, not absent, but low in grains happens to be higher in beans. You know, how smart are our ancestors a, a thousand years ago? For most cultures have that kind of, they've paired that already, right? Like rice and beans in South America or um, rice and tofu in Asia, like people have kind of already figured this out, but even again, scientifically speaking, even if that's kind of, those are traditional combinations of food, you don't have to eat rice and beans together. You can eat them separately and you will get all the amino acids that you need just by eating a variety of foods throughout the day, throughout the week. Um, you don't need meat. You, the guy that you, the cow that you were eating to get your protein 
got it from grass or should have gotten it from grass, most likely got it from eating God knows what in a factory, but you know what I mean. Like the animals that we look to for power, um, horses, elephants, these guys are vegans because they are not lacking protein because they eat so much, so much greenery, basically. Greens have everything. Um, are we going to sit around and eat 2,000 calories worth of greens? Probably not. So that's why, you know, it's important to eat beans and grains. And again, those colors are important. Even fruit has trace amounts of protein in it. It's not the highest source, but they've actually studied fruitarians to see if they're protein deficient. And even though they can I, I didn't even know that. There was, that's a thing? Fruitarians? Just... Yeah, I'm not endorsing it. I'm just okay. <laughs> Listen, yeah. I love fruit. So I, if, the, if yeah. you can get enough protein and all that from eating fruit 24 hours a day, I would do it. <laughs> well, apparently they, they've researched it just to see why are fruitarians protein deficient. And even though they consume less protein than the government recommends, our government or the World Health Organization, and somehow, no, like their bodies tend to adapt to that lower intake of protein, I, you know, whatever. But, but my point is <laughs> it's in all the plants, good luck avoiding it. And if you're having, if you're consuming enough calories, now some people will be like, oh, I, I adopted a plant-based diet. I'm really tired. Um, I just don't have the energy. And I look at their diet record and they're like, do, am I not getting enough proteins? Like you're not getting enough food. Like you're not eating. <laughs> what is this? Like you're eating, it really is like rabbit food. Like you had a salad for lunch, you skipped breakfast, you had a salad for lunch, and then you had um, you know, I don't know, like some, some lentils and soup for dinner. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, you're tired. You, you need more food. And if you're getting the calories you need, the protein just kind of comes with it. So it's not protein deficiency, it's calorie deficiency. So make sure you're getting enough calories. Very good. Very good. Um, so how fast can a person like myself or anyone, like I said, I'm only two weeks in, I actually have to go for some blood work. We're recording this in May, so sometime in the middle of June because okay. of this virus that we're on, so all my appointments got rescheduled. How yeah. fast can I start to see any type of improvement, or anyone, anyone can start yeah. to see some type of improvement in their overall health average, right? Whether they're yeah. suffering from diabetes or, or, or whatever. Yeah, so there's different markers for different people. Um, if you have diabetes, you will start to see improvements and, and you, and you check your blood sugars, which you should, you will start to see improvements within a days, um, in terms of having better blood, blood glucose control, lower blood sugars. So maybe for people who are on insulin, um, that's actually really, uh, one of our number one, like, be careful. This diet is so powerful that you have to be ready to adjust your insulin to meet your lower sugar needs. You have to be, because that's deadly if your insulin. Um, do you recommend, I don't mean to cut you off, but do you recommend if somebody starts this diet that they inform their uh, doctor and therefore can, can go from it's there? It's mandatory. It okay. is absolutely mandatory because, because insulin is such a powerful drug and this diet is as powerful as we know, as powerful as a drug. <laughs> so you can't just do this um, and not tell anybody. You have to tell somebody. Um, yeah, because you don't want, if your blood sugars are too low, as most people with diabetes know, that can kill you. So you have to be monitoring that very regularly with a professional. Um, secondly, if you have something like high blood pressure and you have a monitor at home, I think you will see your blood pressure start to lower within 
days. Weight loss is slower because we want you to be eating enough calories. If you're losing, if you depending on your start weight, if you've lost five pounds the first week of this diet, I would be like red flag. <laughs> you're not eating. You're not eating enough. Okay. Possibly. Okay. Um, so make sure you are feeling full and satisfied and know what you're doing because um, it's not sustainable if you're hungry. Um, so, but weight you can check pretty regularly. Now things like for people with diabetes, your A1C, that's only kind of measured every three months. That tells you an average blood sugar over time. Um, but those daily blood checks or multiple times a day will, will keep you better informed. Um, cholesterol levels that's a little bit harder to follow because not many people get their cholesterol tested, you know, weekly or even monthly. But if you do have a, a lab visit coming up and you get your cholesterol levels checked. So for you, for you personally, like you've said, you've been doing this for two weeks, I would expect, and you go in June, so maybe another month, I would expect to see a significant reduction. I don't know. Actually, I don't know anything about your, your, no, it was high. It was it was it definitely was high. it was high. I'm on I'm on um, Crestor right now, okay. and and so I was actually on something else before. I can't remember the name of that one. But then they put me on Crestor because it wasn't going down fast enough. Probably because I kept eating eggs and all this other nonsense. So they right. put me on Crestor, and so that I've been on Crestor for about six months now, okay. roughly. Um, so okay. maybe even longer, maybe eight months or so. So um, and I like I said, I just started. <clears throat> and after I did was on Crestor, it's now in the normal level mm-hmm. range. It's in the higher, I don't remember what it is, the numbers, but whatever the higher normal range is, is that's where yeah. it is. So, yeah. So I would expect to see some drop and then you, someone like you could start working with your doctor to get off the Crestor because the diet is really that powerful. Okay. Um, or you take, whether it's, uh, you know, tapering off or getting off, that's up to your cardiologist. But um, like, yeah, there's nothing, that's about as long of a wait as most people have to do, which are your cholesterol numbers or your A1C numbers. But I think everything else, you will, you will see measurements that you can do regularly start to change within days, maybe a day. <laughs> so I'm talking again about blood sugar, blood pressure. I'm going to go check my blood pressure as soon as we get off the phone here. Ah, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. It really should. And in the fat, but let me emphasize the fat intake one more time, because I think a lot of people who go plant-based really embrace things like olive oil. And I, that is not, not that's fat. That's a hundred percent fat right there. So if we're talking about a diet that is, around 10 to 15% of its calories from fat. And that's what I'm talking about. That's an Ornish diet. That's an Esselstyn diet. That is not going to have any room for added oils. So this diet really is pretty pure. It's not that salt, you know, vinegars and mustard and even like barbecue sauce. That's all fine as long as it's oil-free. Um, but there's really not a that's lot of That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I love, I love barbecue sauce. I've been putting it on oh. my... Uh, yeah. My uh, black bean burgers. We're making black bean. Okay, burgers, so, yeah. perfect. So yeah. There, yeah, there's nothing in that that's you know. Yeah. So, but the oils are what's going to um, keep your cholesterol levels higher. And a lot of people were like, "I don't get it. I went vegan, and my LDL is still really high." It's like, well, what are you eating? So, well, I found this vegan butter, <laughs> and I found this. You know, I love oil. 
I love oil on my pasta. Like, no, 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 no. We can't do that. I mean, we have to get all those oils out because you can't have a 10 to 15% of your calories from fat diet with oil. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, so I do want to emphasize that kind of diet as well. Very good. I just got a couple more questions for you. Um, so let's talk about why people fall off or stop or, or whatever. What, um, why does that happen? I, I think you mentioned a little bit that they weren't getting enough calories and just feeling tired and sluggish. Are there any other reasons uh, that people stop? Yeah, well, I think one that the tiredness more is a preparation issue. So again, not being prepared to do this, not having an arsenal of recipes and products you like already in your house. <laughs> because if you just try to do this cold turkey and you throw every all the contrabands out, you may be looking at nothing in your refrigerator. And that in itself is setting yourself up for failure um, and setting yourself up for not eating enough food and not really understanding what this kind of diet looks like. Maybe you think it's just salads. And so you get that gets tired so yeah, very yeah. quickly, right? Yeah, I can't do salads. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so just knowing, like, oh, it's all this other food. It's my barb, it's my bean burger with barbecue sauce and roasted potatoes and um a pasta salad with lentils and it's big bowls of chili with corn and oil-free vegan cornbread and um, just knowing and having all these good burritos, like beans, corn, rice, wrapped up in a tortilla with salsa and fresh tomatoes and lettuce, like and baked, baked corn chips instead of fried. Like it's all that, but it's all that. Like you've got to make sure you're eating a lot and you have all that ready in your house. Um, you've tested some of this stuff. You, you look at what you already eat and you veganize it. So if I like spaghetti and meatballs, so, okay, well, now it's just going to be spaghetti with red sauce, and maybe I'll mix in there some chickpeas or um, raw frozen spinach or, you know, just making it bigger and colorful but without the meat. And I used to eat uh, – I used to add a bunch of Parmesan cheese to that. We're well, not going to have that anymore. But maybe if you ever heard of something called nutritional yeast flakes, like these are amazing little cheese-like particles <laughs> that have no fat in them or virtually no calories but taste like – cheese and then kind of melts like cheese. So try that. Um, so just knowing all that information, the only way you're going to know it is by reading or watching or joining groups, um, partaking in things. You can even pay for programs if you want, but there's certainly so much free stuff out there. Um, and finding your hero, like if, if, if you're a, a police officer or, you know, there's a firefighter out there named Rip Esselstyn who really launched this diet into his community of firefighters and made it, you know, more tough. You know, he's not <laughs> dealing with people right. who need to eat and people who sit around eating a lot. And he, he helped them with their heart disease risk, just his fire, his personal firehouse, Engine 2, I think, in Austin, Texas. But he's launched a whole thing, right? He's made a whole career out of eating this way and cookbooks and websites and immersion programs and just finding a program where they'll walk you through it and you're not doing this alone, but being prepared. So in short, be prepared. Um, and that might even mean being prepared for your cultural and social issues. If you have a family that's completely against this and you're locked up in your house with them, this is going to be hard, right? So try to bring them on board or... Just maybe for the first time, prioritize yourself and just be like, 
screw it. Like I'm taking care of myself. I don't care if I'm, I'm surrounded by haters, but, but be realistic. Maybe you do care and you, you need to kind of pull in that support, sit down your family or your friends and you look, I'm doing this for my life. I need your support, please. And maybe they'll jump in with you or make it easier for you and not jam cake up under your face. On, <laughs> you know, when you're trying to do this for real or um, help you in the kitchen. Uh, so, you know, find out, be prepared, but also consider other barriers and how you might want to try to preempt them, whether it's a reluctant family member, a social situation, um, job, maybe future, maybe you travel a lot. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when you're on the road? Just kind of working that out and finding, finding a good support system. You said something with the oil free vegan cornbread that really, I, I'm definitely going to try that. Uh, uh, I <laughs> love cor- cornbread. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, yeah, you're from the South and uh, you know, my, I have some roots there too, but I was, I, I was raised in Connecticut, but listen, I love some cornbread. So <laughs> So I'm definitely definitely going to be looking at it. it. (laughs) I keep a lot. I'll tell you a trick. I keep a lot of um, bananas and apples or applesauce in my house because when you whip those up, they're really good egg substitutes, oil substitutes and egg substitutes. I don't miss them. So when I make cornbread, I use like a banana or applesauce instead of the oil. Um, I was using bananas, but I'm going to start the applesauce. I, I tried to make some pancakes the other day. It didn't come out very well. I mean, it tasted good, but just the look of it just didn't. So oh. I might try some applesauce next time. <laughs> and, they were, and I was watching some recipe. They said chia seeds or like in water or something. Yeah, because chia seeds make a really gummy thing that binds. Um, yeah, I, I think I'd like the applesauce a little better. I'm yeah, going to try that. Really- yeah. I can't speak to the visuals. I've, I'm kind of <laughs> over the visuals of my cooking. I want other people to, to, to say, I okay, understand. that looks good, and I'm going to try that. Absolutely. Um, I made some Absolutely. pretty good cookies, some pretty good, um, yeah. some of the no-bake peanut butter oat uh, bars and stuff like that. So I've been just a snack on every night. People have been eating that. But the, the pancakes and the cornbread is really something I really want to look nice. That way I can. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So last question here is, um, uh, I know we didn't want to talk about it, but 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 it's something that's big to me. And I think it's big to you as well is the, the, the love of animals, love of the planet. And when I watched, um, uh, I can't remember which documentary it was, Forks or Knives or the other one, when I talked about just the, uh, everything, all the harm that's being done, the amount of waste that is being uh, produced by these animals, and, and the amount of, if you think about how much food we actually give to feed the animals, we could feed the planet. And that was like, wow, you know, I didn't even thought, thought about that. And the amount of water in, yeah. in order to put, uh, you know, a pound of, uh, I don't even know what the exact numbers are, but in order to put one pound of beef on a cattle in order for us to eat, it was like, 50 pounds or whatever of food we have to give to it, you know, right. in order to make it grow. So can you, right. just, let's just end off on that and just the love of the planet, love of animals and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just qualify that I am not an environment, you know, I don't know much about the environment or, you know, um, but I do know that the statistics are staggering in terms of the, the use of land, water, fertilizer, pesticides that go in the intensiveness of getting meat into a plate is incredible use of resources and then what goes in out into the environment from those farms the um the pollution 
um, the, the gas emissions, the, the, the pools of feces. Um, so the it's not just the intensiveness of what's going in, it's the intensiveness of what's coming out and destroying the environment. Um, so it's, it, there's just kind of a no-brainer for, for which one is more, and nobody's arguing against it, um, except for maybe the USDA. But everybody, the science on that, and it keeps coming out. I know the World Health did a big study on we can't keep eating this way. The number one thing we can do, I mean, they had a lot of recommendations like travel less, fly less, um, which we're doing, but uh, eat fewer animals. And I've even heard people from that report, this is a, actually a UN report that came out and she's like, don't eat meat, don't eat animals. Like that, if you don't, if you feel powerless in this, just don't eat animals. That would have a huge effect on the planet's health. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I just think that the environmental impact should be enough for selfless people to understand that we have so much more control over our surroundings um, just by the way we eat. And if we don't eat a sustainable diet, then this whole, con you know, we can't even talk about nutrition. So what's the point of talking about nutrition if we can't sustain the environment to grow the food in any way? So it's a, it's a huge, it has to be part of the discussion in terms of health and diet. And I, I you know, if I can't promote plant-based eating if we don't even have any soil left <laughs> to grow the food in. Like we have to, to, to think about the big picture and long-term and that's very unpopular in Washington. Nobody likes to talk about um, in, in the government anyway. This is, in fact, the dietary guidelines, which are being reconsidered right now, this year, um, they've said you absolutely cannot talk about the environment. They, that was the instruction to the committee members. Uh, they got in trouble for doing it five years ago. They came out with a whole sustainability report and the USDA meat very publicly. This is not behind the scenes. Meat came out, beef especially, and said, "No, you cannot say that." Because the 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 conclusion was, plant based diets are more sustainable than diets include animals, and just duh. And they said, "Absolutely, you cannot say that." And the USDA immediately caved and said, "Yep, not going to say that." And this year, they were told, "Don't even talk about it." literally don't talk about it. So it's just, it's really tragic, but it's in our face, environment, environmental issues every day. Um, live animal markets, people think this is a China problem. We have hundreds of live animal markets in this country and that kind of intensive agriculture where you pit, you pull people with domestic animals and wild animals, you're gonna have a problem. Like we really need to think about where all these pandemics are coming from come from chickens, yeah. they come from yeah. pigs, they come from who knows yeah. what now. But yeah, I watched um, that documentary on Vice. It was a short, short like eight minute documentary about how this whole pandemic started. And it, of course it started there and I'm not gonna you know, go into that, but, but it started there and it had to do with uh, you know, these live markets and one animal's crapping and feces <laughs> on the animals beneath it. And you're gonna pick that animal and, yeah. then, uh, and then chop it up on this board that's yeah. not being wiped off and it was just, yeah. And that was another thing to just like, you know what? I got to stop eating meat. <laughs> I got to right? stop. I got to stop yeah. eating meat. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's not just a, it's not just a problem over there. Right, you right, know? right, like, right, right. My mom was like, oh, that's so gross. What are they doing in China? I was like, what are you talking about? We have those here. We have yeah. those in the United. Those are legal here. Right. Um, there's, you right. know, there's an effort to get those to be shut down now. But if we just didn't do it, if we just stopped eating animals, we could really avoid a lot of problems. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> 
So I thank you so much for, I kept you on here for a long time and, uh, and I really appreciate it. Uh, the pleasure was all mine. You really helped me uh, solidify my understanding. I hope that, you, and I know that you gave a lot of information to the audience. Um, so uh, can people reach out to you or to the, to the program? You talked about uh, you had a three-week program that people that you have. Can you give that information out again? Sure. 21daykickstart.org is the website. And then there's a free, it's, it's a free program you register for, 21 Days. Um, there's an app as well if you'd rather just do it on your phone, 21 Day Vegan Kickstart. Um, and then, yeah, and then I work at the, you'll see a logo here. I work at the Barnard Medical Center. We see patients via telehealth from different states. It depends on the state uh, where you're located, to, whether we can, are licensed there. But um, that's another place to reach out to a plant-based physician or dietitian to get some. We take a lot of insurance. Again, it depends on where you're located, but that's another way to maybe, but there's plant-based doctors all over the world. Well, I so haven't find one. Well, I'll find, find one. one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Very good. Um, so thank you so much. Um, I'm definitely going to, I'm going to actually get that app, maybe even if it's just for the, uh, uh, the recipes, right? You, have, you said you have yeah. recipes up there. Okay. Even just for the recipes. Yeah. Just for the recipes. 21 <laughs> days, right? 21 yeah. days of breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. Um, yeah. If nothing else. Yeah. 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 I'm definitely going to do that. So thank you so much for coming on Captain Hunter's podcast. I really, really enjoyed the conversation and I, and I hope that more people will, will at least consider it, take this opportunity to, to go this way, to save the planet, to save uh, your own life um, and your health and all that kind of stuff. So, so thank you so much. Thank you, Captain Hunter. Take care of yourself. Thank you.